Amen, amen. That was awesome. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, would you open up with me to Psalm 91? Psalm 91 is probably the most relevant psalm for today. It is as up-to-date as tomorrow's newsfeed. I was going to say newspaper, but people don't even know what a newspaper is anymore. But Psalm 91 is such a powerful, powerful psalm. And what I want us to do, we did this Wednesday night, but I want you to stand to your feet and I want us to just quote it, to declare it. Would you all stand together? This is a powerful, powerful word for us today. And we declare it, we confess it, and we speak it in Jesus' name. Come on, let's all say it together. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. We're going to look in to Psalm 91 this morning. I'd like to read Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon is, was uh, one of the most prolific speakers in London during, uh, I believe it was the 1600s. And before there was anything known as a megachurch or large churches, he was preaching to crowds of 6,000 people. He became one of the, uh, the most uh, uh, well-known preacher of his time. And even centuries later, his sermons are reprinted more than any other sermons of anybody. Charles Spurgeon was called the Prince of Preachers. 
And he wrote a three-volume set called The Treasury of David, a three-volume set of commentary on the Psalms. And in the introduction of Psalm 91, I want to just read what he wrote during a time in London where they had experienced uh, plagues and, and different uh, uh, calamities. And this is what he wrote. And, and please, it's, it's old English a little bit, so just, just bear with me. In the whole collection, there is not a more cheering psalm. Its tone is elevated and sustained throughout. Faith is at its best and speaks nobly. Again, he's writing introduction to Psalm 91. <clears throat> a German physician was wont to speak of it as the best preservative in times of cholera. And in truth, it is a heavenly medicine against plague and pest. He who can live in the spirit, in its spirit, the spirit of the psalm, will be fearless, even if once again London should become a hospital for persons with infectious diseases and the grave overflowing with dead bodies. He was saying that this psalm would be a medicine to the soul and encouragement to the faith of God's people. Can you say amen? So I want to look at just three points this morning. Number one, dwell. Dwell. It says in verse 1, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Verse 4, it says, Those who take refuge. Verse 9 says, Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge. And then verse 9 says, because you have made who is your, even your habitation. Verse 10, saying, it shall not come near your dwelling. Number one, the first point I want to look at is dwelling in the presence of Almighty God. Look at the words. It says to dwell, to abide, take refuge, have a habitation, or dwelling. You know that there is a difference between visiting someone's home and dwelling in that home. I have visited the mansions in Newport. Newport, Rhode Island is known for some of the most beautiful, most expensive, most decorative homes in all of the world. And there are mansions that literally cost tens of millions of dollars. I have visited those mansions, but I don't dwell there. There's a big difference. It's one thing to visit someplace. It's another to dwell there. And what is the psalmist saying? That these wonderful promises that we see in Psalm 91 this morning, these powerful promises that are so relevant and so critical at this moment of time, and what does it tell us? It says that as we dwell in the presence of God, that verse 3 tells us that we shall uh, escape the trap of, of, the, of, the, of the trapper of birds, that we shall escape the perilous pestilence. Verse 5 says the terror of night, the arrows attack that attack by day, 
Verse 6, the pestilence that walks in darkness, the destruction that lays waste at noontime. Verse 7, it says that a thousand will fall at your right hand, ten thousand at your left hand. But look what the scriptures say. No evil shall befall you. No plague shall come near your dwelling. Can we claim the promises of God this morning? Can we stand firm on those scriptures? The Bible tells us in verse 15, I will be with you in trouble. God is with us right here, right now. Amen? What Spurgeon had to say, this is important regarding these promises. He says, listen, I want you to get this. I want you to hear this this morning because this is so critical. I quote, the blessings here in Psalm 91 are not for all believers. Hello? The blessings here are not for all believers, but for those who live in close fellowship with God. I believe that's true. That's his comment. That's his commentary on this psalm. But I believe it's true because what is God saying in his word? He's saying those who dwell, those who make their habitation, not those who visit. Now, I'm not talking about church attendance. We're talking about a spirit of communion and fellowship with Almighty God. And so, in this psalm, it's talking about dwelling. It's talking about making a habitation. It's talking about abiding. So, this is radically different than just praying once in a while. Just connecting with God at convenience. This is speaking about a communion and a fellowship with God Almighty. Can you say amen? So let's go a little deeper. Can we have a little blast of heat? I see people blowing smoke out of their mouth right now. Anybody cold? A couple of you. Of course you're not cold. Some of you have snorkels on. Amen. Dwell. I'm talking about what the scriptures have to say. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So the promises that are so powerful, so relevant today for you and I are for people who dwell in the presence of God. Now 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. Now see, some people get tripped up there and say, Pastor, I have a full-time job, I'm a student, I'm in school, I'm changing the diapers of a one-year-old and my five-year-old is climbing the walls. How can I pray without ceasing? But see, herein is the problem. Here is people thinking that for them to dwell in the presence of God, pray without ceasing, they have to be like Simeon or Anna, the prophetess in the New Testament, who just dwelt in the temple 24-7. Like, you know, that's what they can do because they didn't have any other responsibilities and that was their calling. 
Yes, but that's not what the scriptures are saying. It was true about them, but for you and I, we could still pray without ceasing. Understand, Paul was talking to a church. He wasn't talking to a gathering of, of, of clergy, of ministers, of missionaries, of full-time Christian workers who could, you know, pray all time. No, he was talking to a, just a church, an ordinary church, a church just like you and I, and he was saying, pray without ceasing. What did that mean? Again, it's not a posture of prayer, kneeling at an altar, praying for, you know, 24-7 or eight hours a day. It's a spirit. It's an attitude of communing with God. It's thanking God throughout the day for his blessing. It's receiving his grace and praising him. It's turning our worry into worship. Turning our problems into an opportunity to pray, to talk to God. So that means even when you are at work, you could be talking to God. Now, again, prayer does not have to be audible or outward to be, to be effective. We can all pray and all commune with God. Do you know sometimes when I am counseling someone or meeting with somebody or I'm in the middle of, a, of an important decision, I could be talking to somebody, but I'm also praying. I'm just, Lord, I need wisdom. Lord, help me. What do I do right now? Pray without ceasing, the scriptures tell us. He that dwells, God wants you to dwell in the secret place of the Most High, in that place of covering and protection with God Almighty. See, we ought to be different than everyone else. We don't just visit, we abide. We don't just come once in a while to God's presence with a, with a get, get out of jail card. God, this is a real emergency. God, I need you. If you help me now, I'll go, I'll, I'll go to church. You help me now, I'll serve you. How many of you remember uh, uh, Burt Reynolds? You know, he's got to be at least 50, 60 years old to remember him. But anyway, he, what, what was he in? Smokey? Smokey and the Bandit. But he, uh, he, at his time, he was very good looking, and he was a Hollywood heartthrob. But uh, well known in Hollywood. But anyway, he, he had a... Um, starred in a movie called, I believe it was called The End. And in this movie, he uh, just was so desperate and wanted to give up on life. And, and you know what he did? He, he, he was going to commit suicide. He was going to just off himself. So he swam out into the midst of the ocean and just said, that's it. I'm going to end it all. And he was weary, and he was tired, and he didn't have enough strength and enough energy to get back to shore. So he just was about to drown. And he said, God, he had a change of heart. He had a change of mind. He said, God, if you save me, I'll give 90% of all that I own to you. And as he began to gain some energy, and he's swimming towards the shore, and he could see the shoreline, and he's beginning to get confident once again. God, I'll give you 70% of what I owe you. God, I'll give you 50%. And then when he gets to shore, he just tips his hat, so to speak, and he said, thank you, God, and he went his way. But in his desperation, he, he called out to God. And, and But you know what that was? That was just a get-out-of-jail card. 
It was just a desperate prayer without a follow-through. God is looking for his people to not just pray in times of crisis, but to dwell. He who dwells, that's what the scriptures say. He who makes the Lord his habitation, who, who dwells there, who habitates, who takes refuge there. Can you say amen? Our president has called that today would be a national day of prayer. And I'm glad and I applaud that. But you know what? Every day, <laughs> this nation needs a lot of help. This world needs a lot of help. Not once in a while, not in crisis. And, and don't get me wrong, I believe that's good. And I applaud the government for doing that. And, and we have a history of that. We have a history of presidents calling the nation to prayer during crisis. But why not call the nation to prayer every day? Why not bring back prayer into the schools like it once was? Why not bring prayer back into our, our, our sessions of, uh, of local? I know we do it in our Congress, but have prayer in our community, in, in, in all areas of life. Let's not just visit, but let's dwell in the presence of God. Amen? Number two. We not only dwell in the presence of God, but we make declaration. We declare. Look at verse 2. I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge. In my fortress. My God. In Him will I trust. Amen. What is the psalmist doing? He is declaring. He is saying, I will say, hallelujah. Many believe that Moses was the author of this psalm. Most of the psalms, we have 150 psalms. The psalms were the hymnal for the, you older folks, the hymnal of the, the Jewish people. For you younger folks, it was the playlist for the Israelites. But it was, their, it was their worship book. It was their, their worship playlist. The Psalms were prayers put to music so that the people of God could pray and sing to God. Most of the Psalms were written by David. But many believe it was Moses. And here is Moses making his declaration saying, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my God. In Him will I trust. And you see, that would encourage His soul. And that will encourage you and I in times of, of great fear, in times of uncertainty. That's what we need to say. Not Corona, Corona, Corona. We can make a song out of it. God help us. Now listen, we're not, I am not minimizing in any way downplaying or being foolish. But are we talking more about Corona or are we talking more about Christ? Oh, somebody help me this morning. Make some noise for the people at home. What about Jesus? We used to sing an old song, and, 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 and some of you older folks will connect with this one. Let's talk about Jesus. I wish I could sing, because I would lead it out and sing. Lisa, help me out this morning. 
if you know it. Amen. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. Come on. I, I, I will declare, I will declare in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, it was a time when the people of God, they murmured and they complained. What's amazing about the Bible is it's so relevant. Thousands of years later, I know we don't do it here at Victory, but if somebody's listening from another church, maybe you do it at your church. Murmur and complain. The people of God, no matter how many times God brought deliverance, God brought blessing. They didn't have water. God brought water out of a rock. They didn't have food. God rained down manna from heaven. But they'd go through a difficult season, a time when Things were getting worse or difficult, and, and God was testing their faith. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's only a test. And at the time of testing, they would, instead of trusting God and praising, they would begin to complain. And there was a time when, when, when they murmured and complained, and God sent judgment. And he sent, he sent serpents into the camp. And the, and the serpents began to bite and, and, and kill the, the people. As a judgment. And Moses cried out to God in prayer. And so you know what God said to Moses? God said, I want you to take some bronze, some metals, and I want you to fashion a serpent and put it on a stake. And when the people who were bitten by a snake and would die otherwise, when they looked to the serpent, they would live. Now, you know what that was? That was a foreshadowing and a prophetic sign of the coming of Jesus. How do I know that? Very simply, Scripture interprets Scripture. John chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus himself said, if we could put that up. Can we get John 3, 14? I know I didn't give you these Scriptures ahead of time. Listen, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The next verse, the next verse, verse 15. It, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Then we know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So, so it was foreshadowing and and, and you see, what am I trying to say? That, that Jesus was to be lifted up. And what did that mean? That meant he would be crucified if I be lifted up upon the cross. But I believe there's a dual meaning to that. I believe that we, Jesus is lifted up or was lifted up when he was crucified on the cross. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me, Jesus said. But I also believe there's a dual meaning. I believe that when we lift up Jesus with our praise, 
When we lift up Jesus with our worship, when we lift up Jesus and declare, He is my rock, He is my fortress, He is my deliverer. When we do that, He draws us unto Himself. When we do that, healing is released. For as Moses lifted up the serpent and people looked to the serpent, they were healed. Today, people can look to Jesus. Today, people need to look to Jesus. Today, the church, the church needs to look to Jesus. We need to lift him up in our praise. We need to also lift him up in our proclamation. Let's declare that Christ is the answer. Jesus is the answer. You know, the last few days I have gotten calls and, and texts from people about the virus and, you know, church. Are we going to have church? And I, I, I've gotten texts and calls to where it was just kind of getting a little, I'm trying to stay in faith. Amen? And I know we have to be wise and we have to be discerning, but, but, but can, can I ask you, please, does this make sense? I don't want to sound extreme or fanatical or off the wall. But can you at least take just 10% of your time? I'd like to say 100% or 50-50. But can you take 10% of the time that you listen to the news, look at the news feeds, watch TV, and hear about corona, and can you take that and look into the Word of God? We can do better. I'm, I'm lowering the bar, but come on. Let's, let's raise the standard. Let's get more into the Word. Yes, we need to be aware, but how much do you need to hear about it? Now, now we've, we've posted things on our website or on Facebook, and we've got signs all over the church, but how many of you gotten emails from Starbucks, Toyota, Walmart, Chick-fil-A, Everybody is sending out a report, and, that, and there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying that, but, but we got enough information. We need some faith. Hello? We need to declare. Someone said, people have texted me and say, and I, someone just said it this morning, that, that a neighbor of theirs said, what if, what if somebody in your church gets, gets the virus because they came to church? What if someone gets sick and dies? What if someone gets healed? My God, what happened to faith? What if somebody gets saved? What if somebody gets encouraged? What if somebody's faith is, is made alive because they came to church, because they listened to the Word of God? What if you die? Listen, if I die, I want to die in faith. Hello? It's better to die in faith than to live in unbelief. And whatever we do, we're going to be, be people of faith. Amen? Amen? Declaring what Christ can do. De declaring that he can heal, that he can protect. Come on, Jesus is able. Don't we believe that God is at work in the midst of a crisis? One of the last books of the Old Testament is called Malachi. He was an Italian prophet. No, it's Malachi. No, Malachi. Malachi. <laughs> Confusing myself this morning. In the last book of the Old Testament, 
The Bible tells us in chapter 3, verse 16, that the, those who feared the Lord, they spoke with one another. They spoke with one another. And the Lord heard. And he wrote a book of remembrance. And, and he said, they are mine. They shall be mine. I will, they'll be my jewels. Next verse. Those who meditate on his name. The next verse. They shall be mine, says the Lord, on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spear them as a man spears his own son who serves them. What was God saying? God was listening. The Bible says they who, those who fear the Lord, God's people, they, they spoke to one another, and God was listening. You know something? I want you to understand something. God, he's got good ears. God has got some, some fine-tuned ears. God is listening to you and to me during a crisis. And he's listening and he's looking and he's trying to find people who fear him and who talk to one another and speak life and speak faith and speak victory and speak more about Jesus than calamities, more about Christ than corona. He's listening and he makes a covenant with those who do that, those who declare, those who decree, those who say the Lord is my refuge and my strength. Hallelujah. So I encourage you as people of God, those of you that are watching, declare truth, declare hope, declare faith, declare healing, declare salvation. The truth of the matter is anybody could have faith. In good times. Is it really faith? Or is it just going along. Cruising. But true faith. Is tested. In the crucible. Of the trials. Of life. In the fiery. Furnace. Of life. The world is looking. Not to see what we say. As much as. How we live our lives. In the midst of calamity. Do the promises we declare. Do they work. In the difficult times of life. What if the Lord during this season can't, aren't we believing for souls? Aren't we believing for revival? What if the Lord was to bring even conservatively 50, 100 people during a time of crisis to our church and he saw you and I, oh, things are bad. Heads are down, pulling our hair or whatever's left of it. In crisis mode, discouraged, woe is me, we don't know what's going to happen, I'm fearful, I'm discouraged. What kind of testimony would that be? Not that we don't deal with this, the real reality of what's going on, but we, 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 we don't go just by the facts, we go by the truth. The facts might be such and such, but the truth is the Lord shall preserve us. The Lord shall deliver us in times of trouble. That's the truth. Because we dwell and because we declare. And lastly, and I close with this. We dwell in the presence of the Most High. Under the shadow of the Almighty. We make the Lord our habitation. And we also declare that He is our strength. He's our deliverer. And that's my last point. You know what God's response is? When we dwell, when we declare, He becomes our deliverer. Verse 14, 
Because he has set his love upon me, now the Lord is talking. There's a shift in the psalm. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. And I will be with him in trouble. And I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. With long life. Would you claim that promise this morning? Wonderful, spectacular, relevant promises. I want to ask you, are we living according to the prognosticators or are we living according to the promises? What has God promised us? God's deliverance is not based upon difficulty level. If God said he'll deliver you from a small trial, he'll also deliver you from a big trial. If God can deliver you from a little problem, he can deliver you from a big problem. Jeremiah 32, verse 27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? Is anything too hard for the Lord? God said, Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. You know, when you watch TV or when you chill, when you relax, you put your feet on an ottoman, you put your feet on a little a foot, on a stool. You know what God is saying? When I, when I chill, when I put my feet up, earth is my footstool. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. What a mighty God we serve. What an awesome God we serve. I'm talking about the God who flung the stars into the sky. I'm talking about the God who took the dust of this earth and he formed man and he breathed life into him and man became a living soul. I'm talking about the God who said, let there be and there was. Can he not deliver you and me? God has all the power to do it. And you know what? And if he don't feel like doing it or if he doesn't want to lift a finger, he'll send angels. Hello? What does the psalm say? What does the psalm say? Verse 11, he shall give his angels charge over you. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Come on, is anybody getting a hold of the promises of God this morning? To keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against the stone. I want to conclude with this illustration. Billy Graham, and I quote, wrote this. He wrote this in Reader's Digest magazine. He said, some time ago when I decided to preach a sermon on angels, I found practically nothing in my Bible. Upon investigation, I soon discovered that little had been written on the subject in this century. This seemed a strange and ominous omission. Bookstores and library shel libraries have shelves of books on demons and the occult and the devil. Why was the devil getting so much more attention than writers, from writers than angels? Angels have much more important place in the Bible than the devil and his demons. Therefore, I undertook a biblical study on the subject of angels. Not only has it been one of the most fascinating studies of my life, but I believe the subject 
is more relevant today than perhaps at any time in history. And Billy Graham did write a book called Angels. And he tells this story. And I close with this. The Bible says, for we have, he will give his angels charge over you to guide you in all your ways, Psalm 9111. Are there supernatural beings today who are able to influence our affairs? Dr. Mitchell, a celebrated Philadelphia neurologist, had gone to bed after an exceptionally tiring day. Suddenly, he was awakened by someone knocking on his door. Opening it, he found a little girl, poorly dressed and deeply upset. She told him her mother was very sick and asked him if he would please come with her. It was a bitterly cold, snowy night, but though he was bone-tired, Dr. Mitchell dressed and followed the girl. As Reader's Digest reports the story, he found the mother desperately ill with pneumonia. After arranging for medical care, he, comp he complimented the sick mother on the intelligence and persistence of her little daughter. The woman looked at him strangely and then said, my daughter died a month ago. She, she added, her shoes and coat are in the clo clothes closet over there. Dr. Mitchell, amazed and perplexed, went to the closet and opened the door. There hung the very coat worn by the little girl who had brought him to tend to her mother. It was warm and dry and could not possibly have been out in the wintry night. Could the doctor have been called in an hour of desperate need by an angel who appeared as this little woman's, as, as this woman's young daughter? Was this the work of God's angel on behalf of the sick woman? Yes, I believe it was. Another story. When the Reverend John G. Patton was a missionary in the New Hebrews Islands, hostile natives surrounded his mission's headquarters one night, intent on burning the Pattons out and killing them. John Patton and his wife prayed all during that terror-filled night that God will deliver them. When daylight came, they were amazed to see the attackers unaccountably leave. A year later, the chief of the tribe was converted to Jesus Christ. And Mr. Patton, remembering what had happened, asked the chief what had kept him and his men from burning down the house and killing them. The chief replied in surprise, Who were all those armed men you had with you there? The missionary answered, There were no men there, just my wife and I. Angels on assignment. Would you stand together with me this morning? Amen. I want us to take five minutes before we leave and make a commitment to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. We have seen in this nation and in this world what could happen with a crisis and a calamity and a plague. What if God, I say what if, God wants to get the attention of the world and if he wants to bring everything to a screeching halt, how quickly could God do it? Think about that. Unprecedented times. There's never been a time in our country where sports have been shut down, where Hollywood's being shut down, governments are shutting down since World War II, 1940s, because of a world war. And we've not seen this. It's time 
for the people of God to dwell in the secret place of the Most High and to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It's time for the people of God to declare, Lord, you're my refuge, not the stock market. You're my refuge. You're my joy, not sports, not Hollywood, not the things of this world. You're my refuge. You're my strength. It's time to see the deliverance of God. Would you right now begin to lift up your hands all over this place? Just, just take a few moments to make that commitment. God, I'm going to dwell in your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, just talk to the Lord. Just a few moments. Come on, just capture the, the faith in the clarity of this moment, right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we dwell in your presence. We make our habitation under the covering of your presence. Lord, we bring a people, we bring a church before you. God, we bring a nation before you. God, we pray for a work of your spirit. God, we pray for a work of your grace. Move over this nation. Move over the churches. God, we pray that there would be a, 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 a stop to this disease. There would be a, a turning around of this, this crisis that we're facing as a nation. But God, may it also be a turning to you, God. God, you love a sin-sick world. You care for people. God, you care for them physically. But most importantly, you care for them eternally. For eternity is at stake. God, we pray you would turn a nation back to you. Turn your people back to you. God, may we be people who don't just visit you, but we dwell in your presence. We dwell close to you. We seek you with all our heart. We call upon you, God. God, stir this church, God. Stir your people to pray, God. God, may we begin to walk in the light of your word and declaring faith and truth. Oh, God, today hear our prayer in this house. Come on, just lift your voice. Come on, just a couple more moments. Come on, call out to the Lord. Come on, don't the times de de demand that we take drastic measures, that we cry out, that we lift up our voice like a trumpet, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, hear our prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God, hear our cry. God, we seek you today. God, we dwell in your presence today. God, we look to you, God. God, we pray for our health care workers. God, we pray for doctors and nurses. God, we pray for those in our community of faith that work in the, in the health industry. 
in the hospitals. God, keep them safe. God, protect them. Cover them. God, we pray that no disease, no pestilence would come near their dwelling. Lord, satisfy them with long life. Keep them safe. Protect our doctors, our nurses, God. Those that are a part of victory, that work in the school system, that work in, 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 the, in the health industries, and that work in different places, Father, where they come into contact with people. God, we pray for the divine protection. God, we declare healing over their lives. We make a declaration today that no evil shall come near our dwelling. We declare that the Lord is our healer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And so, God, today as we go our separate ways, God, I thank you for those that have gathered here in this physical building and those that have gathered with us online. Father, I pray a blessing over the church. Father, I pray, God, your hand of protection over your people. And I pray that each and every one would come to the place of dwelling in your presence, of drawing close to you each and every day. Father God, I pray, O oh Lord, for your gracious hand to be upon us as a people. God, I pray, we pray for this nation. We pray for healing. We pray for a cure. We pray, oh God, for a turnaround. We pray for a good report. God, we give you thanks and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you. Go at liberty today. God be with you in Jesus' name. Amen.